We are looking at a new theme, as you probably gathered. Uh, you heard it in the worship. You can see it behind me. Justice matters. It does matter. And we're going to be looking at different justice matters over the next um, couple, of, couple of months. You know, it's been since October we've, that we've been unpacking closer, deeper, further with uh, an interlude for Christmas and for Easter themes. But it's been a long time. It's been brilliant to look at those. And let's not forget what God has taught us, what God's been revealing to us. Let's not, not just file that away as that was something that once happened. But let's continue to go closer, deeper and further with Jesus as we journey together. But we felt it was really important to do some, some teaching on justice. And I think it's going to um, be challenging to us. I remember when Nikki and I were leading worship at a conference, we, there were lots of different worship leaders involved. And we felt challenged by God to sing songs that had challenging lyrics, like Justice Song. And people were arms in the air, having the best times ever, until we came on. And then the atmosphere shifted. And in, for that particular place, we were never invited back again. Um, and I don't think it was my guitar playing. I think it was because we didn't bring anything that was feel-good and didn't bring anything that made people just like, oh, that was excellent, I just want to keep singing that all night, because it was challenging. And this message, thank you very much, this message is going to be challenging, I believe. And I believe this theme is going to be challenging, but that's okay, it's good for us to be challenged. We've got a couple of guest speakers, as well as our amazing in-house team, um, over the next um, couple of months. Next week, we've got Bev again, who's going to be sharing a message on, on justice. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be amazing. Um, bring your earplugs. She'll get passionate. We know it. And she always comes off and says, I didn't mean to get that loud. But she's passionate. It's awesome. And then we're very excited to say that on the um, 11th of August, we've got Reverend Joseph D'Souza coming over from India. He's going to be speaking at New Wine. He's the founder of the Dalit Freedom Network, working with the Dalits, the lowest caste in India, people who are treated and worse than animals. He's coming over to speak at New Wine, and then we are blessed to have him come to, to this church and to speak to us on Sunday, the 11th of August. So it's going to be a time of challenge, I believe, and it's going to be amazing. And today, um, what I want to do is to open our eyes. That's my main goal. If this was a, an old school teaching lesson, that would be my aim for the lesson, is to open our eyes. And Bill brought a word to us just along those lines during pre-service prayer that God wanted to open the eyes of our understanding today. So that was really encouraging. And thank you for being brave enough to bring that, Bill. We want to have our eyes open to see what God is doing. And we want, just like Claire brought, we want our hearts to be synchronized with God's hearts, God's heart for certain issues. Many of you will know that Nikki and I met working for Youth for Christ um, in a band called TVB in 1996. What you may not know, although some of you do, is that we spent two weeks in Brazil working with Tear Fund at the end of the first term of being in that band. And we went to a place just outside of Sao Paulo called the Valley of Blessing Orphanage. And that was our base for a couple of weeks to work with the children there. Um, it was such a privilege, such an eye-opener, such a life-changing moment for us. I remember one time we went into um, a favela and we had to be taken in by people who knew the area and could look after us because it's a very dangerous place. You don't just go wandering into a favela, which is uh, what some of us may call a shanty town in different experiences. It's into those places. You don't go on your own unless you're invited. Um, and we were invited in. And we went to one lady's home, more of a sort of a tin hut than a home. And she managed to make a living making lemonade ice creams, ice lollies. And we had been told before you go in, do not touch and do not consume. Okay, don't eat what 
any food that's in there. People are hospitable. They'll offer you something. Don't eat it, I'm afraid. You just have to say, no, thank you. Really appreciate it. But no. And she managed, because the water supply apparently was out of the raw sewage. It was the same water supply. And she made lemonade ice lollies. And she came out with some of these ice lollies for us and offered them to us as a team. And it was one of those, you know Indiana Jones... When in, that, in that moment where uh, Marion served the food, you may not know Indiana Jones, but when she served the food, she's like, I can't eat it. And he's like, eat it. You've got to eat it. This is, you know, they're, they're being so generous. This is a month's wages to these people. You've got to eat it. And we were just not knowing what to do. So we, we prayed and we said, thank you very much for the ice lollies. And we ate the ice lollies. And God was very, very good in blessing us and looking after us. And um, apart from for Mark, really, <laughs> who had a couple of days of problems, but he was still okay. That was one experience of just walking into the favelas and seeing this beautiful lady um, being so generous with everything that she had, which is often the story. We also went and we worked with churches over there and we did some church services. And it was amazing to go into a church where the men were wearing the most tailored suits we had ever seen. They were expensive, tailored tailored suits and the ladies came practically in ball gowns it was the same sort of attire that people were wearing to the may balls in G- in at jesus college where nikki was in cambridge the same sort of attire was worn to church and these churches were elaborate and there was so much wealth and my, one of the most shocking things for me was seeing the proximity of absolute wealth and abject poverty so close together there was a walled and gated community with armed guards right next to the favela so there would have been walls here razor wire on the top here, beautiful big houses and huge wealth. From this point on, literally here, and by that wall, there was a favela, and there was a road in the middle, and the two things were so close, but, and, but somehow they managed to survive together. And there was a guy who worked for Tear Fund who came with us. His name's David Westlake, and he's now actually the CEO of IJM, UK, International Justice Mission. And he came with us for the two weeks, and he made this really powerful film to bring back to the UK church. And on this point about the walled community, it keeps turning off and on, Martin. Okay. On this point about the walled community and the favela, he asked us all to consider this question. Can you stick it to the next slide, please? And he asked us to consider this. What have I screened out? And what do I coexist with that grieves God's heart? A couple of Big questions. What have I screened out? Because I want you to hear this. I'm not anti-Brazil and I'm not the anti-the Brazilian church. I'm from a different culture. So when I went over there, it was obvious to me. And I'm confident that if people from other cultures came to our country and looked at our church, they would say, how do you live with these circumstances and these situations and you do nothing about it? It's just that we're, we have it screened out. We're, just, we're blinded by the stuff that we're so familiar with. And so that's the question, isn't it? What have we, together as the body of Christ, what have we as Skylark Church, what have we as the Church of the UK screened or missed when it comes to justice and God's heartbeat for it? That's question one I want us to to consider. We're going to go on to the next slide, which is Isaiah 61. I want to read to us... um, Is that coming? I want to read to us from Isaiah 61. Oh, there we go. We have a little interjection just at the right time. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 61, I'm reading from the NIV. There we go. And it says this. 
The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, part of our mandate, rebuilding ruins, and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, from verse 7, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Verse 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Justice matters. Justice matters. It does. To God, and therefore it has to matter to us. More than it currently does, I would dare to say. And I just want to clear up a definition issue, okay? Because the word just justice is often synonymous with retribution. So somebody does something, commits a crime, they get 25 years in prison, we're like, now that's justice. A bully who gets beaten in, that's justice. Somebody who's an insect swatter as a habit gets stung by a wasp, there's a little bit of justice. Somebody who, you know, is mocking other people about the way they dance and then falls over when they're dancing. There's a bit of justice. Somebody, see, you like that one, Em? It's some, somebody who dives in the penalty box gets awarded a penalty and as they're running up to take it, falls over their own feet and shanks it wide or something like that. Now, we think there's a bit of justice there as well. The justice that we often think of is this sort of retribution. You're getting your just desserts. You're getting what, what um, you deserve. But that actually isn't what most of the justice refers to in the Bible. Most times in the Bible, the word justice refers to restorative justice, in which those who are unrightfully wronged or hurt are restored, and they're given back what was taken from them. That's the kind of justice we're about. Being with those who are unrightfully hurt or wronged in our world, and giving back what was taken from them. It's not an eye for an eye justice, it's restorative justice. The passage that we just saw from Isaiah 61 could really easily be called the Jesus mandate because in Luke chapter 4, he takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, this, this particular part of, of scripture, and he reads it out. He reads out these bits again, and I want you to hear them again. The spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him, were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61 was Jesus' mandate and because it's Jesus' mandate, it's a mandate he's passed on to us, his body. It's therefore our mandate as his disciples. It's what we're called to do. 
We need to personalize this much more. The Spirit of the Lord is on Nikki because the Lord has appointed her to proclaim good news to the poor. Tim, he sent you to proclaim freedom for prisoners. You see how this works? This is, this is our mandate. We need to personalize it for yourself. Do that because I'm going to do it for me because it's so important that I don't just see it as somewhere out there. But this is central to what we believe and what we're called to. Three years ago, I saw a movie clip that was really, really inspirational. And it's about a man who simply got up and got involved. And I showed this to some of the men who were at Letton Hall um, in 2016. And this guy, he used the phrase, not on my watch. There were things that he wasn't prepared to allow to happen on his watch. While he had breath in his lungs, these things weren't happening. And so I thought it'd be good for us to have a look at this clip. Um, There is a tiny bit in it that's sort of a bit more adult themed. Um, So if there are children in here who might, uh, it's not bad but um, I just want you to be aware of that if you want to give them colouring or something. Um, and it begins with Heidi Baker talking about her dream to see one million children in loving homes. There's a dream, hey. One million children. She's dreaming big. So if we can play this video, please, you're going to need to dim the lights. There's bits of it that are dark. Listen up, he speaks fast. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? He speaks fast, so sorry, Val. <laughs> There's no breathing in that clip. What a challenge. We're not all called to India. We're not, we may be. We're not all called to do, set up charities. We may be. We're all called to do something. James 1, 27 from the NIV, the next slide says this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I like the, I like the uh, Passion Translation, which will just pop up on the bottom of the screen now. And that says this. True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and, the, and widows in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. I think that's a much more accurate translation from what I can see. And I think this, for too, off, too frequently we try to keep ourselves, we read that bit, we don't want to be polluted and that's standoffish. That's separationist, isn't it? That's not about incarnation. That's about staying distant so you don't get polluted. But how do you do the first bit? How do you make a difference in the lives of orphans and widows if you're not prepared to go in and get your hands dirty? Orphans in that, in that um, passage can also mean the comfortless. And widows didn't have a voice, so maybe you're being called to be a voice for the voiceless. As I've been looking into the theme, it's fun, isn't it? You're having a laugh today. As I've been looking into the theme, I realise that for most of the discipleship sessions that I sat in as I was growing up, youth discussions, Bible studies, teaching at summer or Christian camps, most of them didn't mention the Isaiah 61 teaching. And the Isaiah 61 mandate. And they didn't really mention this James 1, 20, 27 stuff. If they did, there was a heavy bias towards the second half of those scriptures on, on the screen behind me. It was about keeping yourself from being polluted. Discipleship for me as a young Christian was, was about how to keep pure, how to live a holy life, how to live a set-apart life, to be in the world but not of it, that classic phrase, to shine like stars and show people another way of living by the things that you aren't prepared to get involved in and the things you stay away from. That was the bias that it was for me growing up as a young Christian. Does it resonate with you? Did you have that kind of thing? And this, this is about redressing the balance. 
Let me use this example. We're a church who believes in women being all that God has called them to be, as well as men being all God's called them to be. So men may be up here and women are down here, and we're not talking this. What we're talking is bringing women where they should be. In this passage, I think that discipleship has so often looked like keep yourself pure and look after your own personal integrity and your own personal walk with God. That's been up there. And the justice side of things is down here somewhere. And what I'm saying is we shouldn't do away with personal integrity and holiness and trying to become like Jesus. But we have to raise up the, the importance of justice in our lives. And as I've dug a bit deeper and looked into discipleship courses that are out there, Introduction to Christianity courses, many of them fantastic, many of them seem to miss it too. It's as though the themes of justice and getting involved in this Isaiah 61 mandate of Jesus's and ours, they aren't entry-level faith. So if you go on a course for the basics of Christianity in the first 10 weeks, you are never going to get that you're supposed to be helping the orphan and widow because that's, they're not the basic entry-level stuff. And what concerns me is that if they're not then they must be more the degree-level stuff. Everyone's taught entry-level English. Everyone's taught entry-level maths. But if, you, if once you begin to specialise and specialise and you do a degree in maths, that's just for an elite. And we as the body of Christ are supposed to have justice at the basics of who we are. Making a difference in people's lives as the basics. But what's happened is that it's kind of become a specialist subject. So we know the basics of these things, but we've put justice over here as something that a few people might be called to, the professionals. And there's another problem, that we have um, organisations who, who work for justice, so we think, great, they're doing it, that's brilliant, they represent the body of Christ doing that. We in this church have a prayer pastor, what we can think is, great, she's got prayer covered because I find it difficult, I'm glad that's her bag. We have a community pastor, brilliant, community stuff is being met so we don't have to, that's not how it's supposed to be. And when it comes to justice, it is an entry-level basic thing, not a specialist subject. What I want to do today is to challenge us, as I've said, and to open our eyes and open our understanding. Because we're going to hear messages for two months on justice. We're going to hear these messages. They're going to be challenging. But if we haven't got a foundational thing, that this actually is about me. This is, this is me. Where have, why have I been so blindsided like the people in Brazil? Why, why, why have I not asked myself that question? What have I screened out? And I think for me, I've screened out in my personal discipleship the importance of this Isaiah 61 mandate that is actually mine to carry, I haven't carried it with enough importance. Why are we going to do this? The Bible's full of stories about justice. It's a mega theme of the Bible. The basic reason is that we saw at the end of that passage in Isaiah 61, for I, the Lord, love justice. That's why we're going to do it. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it with the Spirit's anointing. He has anointed me too. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. And that little word, as you well know, is one of the biggest words in that passage. Because I've been to too many meetings, like that one we were leading worship at, where the people are anointed, the Holy Spirit is there, and it's an amazing time, and people use the word like, I'm being lashed in the Holy Spirit. But for what purpose? We don't want to be in God's presence for two hours and absolutely love it, for our own benefit. We want to worship him in those moments, of course, and give him adoration. But when he anoints us, he anoints us to do something. There's a purpose. We have to be moved to action. And so the way we're going to do it, we are anointed to carry out this Isaiah 61 mandate. What should we do then? Should we all sign up to go to the Romania trip? Probably not. Can't take everyone. 
Andrea's probably thinking, please don't do that. We're already quite full. Uh, Should we start a charity? Maybe. People are doing that at the moment. I don't know what it is that God's calling you to, but let's look at Isaiah 61. Let's bring good news to the poor and afflicted, individually and together. But remember, if we start to do it together, don't think that's somebody else's job. Your job this week and my job this week is to bring good news to the poor and the afflicted. I don't know how to do that. Lord, open my eyes. Show me what you want me to do. How about we this week bind up and heal some brokenhearted people? How about we aim to set people free from whatever binds them in life? Let's rebuild some ruins in people's lives, those, thing, those places long desolated in their lives. Let's be a voice for the voiceless. How can we do that? Let's not sit on our hands. Let's do something. Let's bring comfort to those people who are yet to find it. Remember what Matthew writes in his gospel. He says this. I think it might be slides. No, I didn't put it up there. Um, Matthew says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, this is at the end, and this is King Jesus at the end of time. Come, you who are blessed by my father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king, Jesus, will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. So as we go out this week and we can bring restorative justice into situations, we're doing it to and for Jesus, and not just to and for our brothers and sisters, which is amazing. Here's a verse I've missed. The next one up, please. Jeremiah 22.16. Prophet Jeremiah is speaking, and this is what the Lord is saying about King Josiah, one of the great kings of Judah. He did what was just, sorry, what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? Look at that. Look at that. Is that not what it means to know me? What does it mean to know God? to defend the cause of the poor and needy. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think that was highlighted enough in my early discipleship years as to what it meant for me to know God. It wasn't those things. At the start, I asked us, what have we screened out? And perhaps for many of us, it's the central role of justice in the Bible and the central role of justice in our own discipleship. This heart cry of God Perhaps if people came from other nations, like we went to Brazil, if they came here and saw the UK church, they might say to us, what are you doing? Where are you administering and bringing about God's justice in this land? And I know I'm really challenged by this personally. So I'm going to be going on a journey with God over the next weeks and months to work out how do we walk this out then? How do I walk this out? I'd like to challenge you to go on the same journey. How do you walk this out in the weeks and months to come? And I know that Nikki and I feel that there's something really significant that we're called to as a church that we're not yet doing. So we're going to walk that journey out too. But as we do, cheer us on by all means, but don't think that's your responsibility covered because you're part of this church family. Okay? We have a personal, as Nikki and I have, we have personal responsibility in walking this out as well as corporate responsibility. And I'd like to present that to you too and say you do too.
earlier on, we sang Justice Song, a song that Nikki wrote um, a few years back now. And it says, it says these things, God of justice, you've anointed us to bring freedom to captives, sight to the blind. God of justice, you've appointed us to bring hope to the broken, to heal and to bind. It says, you've anointed us to bring joy for mourning and beauty for shame. You've appointed us to bring hope to the hurting, healing for pain. And then there's this pre-chorus that says, we can hear your anthem for the poor and broken. It's the cry unspoken of our generation. Let the cry resound in us. Let it echo through the earth. Let your church rise up at last and let justice flow like a flood. Let the cry resound in us. Let it echo through the earth. Let us stand for righteousness and let justice flow like a flood through us. And then there's that bridge that we sang earlier as well. Every voice, not the professional justice organizations or Andrea who heads up justice and missions in this church. Every voice sound clear and strong, joining heaven's justice song, not mine. Can't stay silent one by one, we're joining heaven's justice song. And what I'd like us to do in closing is to say seated and I'm going to lead us in this song, okay? And so Andrew, if you can come up, that'd be great. I'm going to lead us in this song, and listen, if you want to put this, redress this balance in your own life and say, okay, God, I need to do this, I'm up for this, then as we sing, just stand. You don't have to, okay? Your prayer is not made more powerful by standing up, but it can help us sometimes to actually make a decision for what we're, what we're thinking. So if you'd like to stay seated, do, but if you want to stand and sing, do that. Can we have the prayer team at the front? Because if people want, don't just want to stand, but want to come forward and have some, some things confirmed in them, prayed over them in this area, then let's do that too. But why don't we sing this song together in closing? So Lord, we just say yes to that. We say we're going to be those who stand for righteousness. We're going to be those who allow justice to flow like rivers through us. Through me, Pete Sims. Through this, your beautiful church. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May it take root in our lives and may it make a difference, not to us, but to the ends of the earth. Lord, put visions and dreams and things into us. The not on my watch kind of dreams. Help us to not be blinkered to the things we've grown up alongside that we screen out because... It's just not in our way of thinking. Help us to open the eyes of our understanding to see your heart for this. And as we journey on it for the next two months, allow us to be challenged and moved into action rather than well-educated. In Jesus' name.